Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. Hey kids, ever wonder what the kids in Northern Benin do? Nope, they don't have computers or computer games. There really isn't anything on TV. Hardly any girls have dolls. They have real babies instead. They're brothers and sisters. Most kids don't have any toys except what they make themselves. If you are a girl, then you will help around the house a lot. You cook, you probably are the one who washes the family laundry, and if you have younger brothers or sisters, it is you who takes care of them. You entertain your baby brother or sister and carry them around all day while doing everything else. You are lucky if you get to go to school because often mother needs you at home to help. School here is free for girls because if it wasn't, even fewer girls would go to school. You run errands like hauling about 30 to 50 pounds of water on your head in a big bowl or a 25 liter or seven gallon plastic jerry jug. You run and take the grain to the mill to be ground into flour by carrying the bowl full of grain on your head. You probably will grind tomatoes, onions, and other stuff between grinding stones to make a paste for the sauce. You also probably will sweep the dirt yard and the house every morning before you leave for school. Most girls work very hard. You have this game that you play with a bunch of leaves tied together and then throw it in the air. You and another friend jump and clap. If you don't go to school, you often might end up walking around all day selling stuff like onions or little plastic bags of stuff that they put in sauce. Some sell water in plastic bags. Since there is no drinking fountains, this is where people get their water if they aren't home. Since it is hot, many people like to buy this water. It is a hot and tiresome job. Or you may end up sitting at a table all day selling stuff. Most kids who work like this are very good at calculating in their head how much everything is going to cost and what the change will be. Even if they've never been to school and may not be able to write the numbers, they still can calculate very quickly. Many girls, ages 7 to 14, coming from poor families, are loaned to other families in town to help them at the house, often with the promise that they can go to school. But they end up being the slaves of the house. They are the first to wake up and start washing the dishes and sweep the floors. They start cooking fires and go up to the well to get water. They are ordered around by everybody. If the baby of the family wakes up, they have to do all this while taking care of the baby too. Throughout the day, they are working hard, getting yelled at, hit, and insulted throughout the day. Most eat what is left over, or very little. They work late into the night while the others play or watch TV. They are watching the younger children, finishing the work around the cooking fire, running to get water to drink for others, 
getting another bowl or feeding the younger kids, not really ever getting the time to sit down to eat. They crash onto their mat at 10.30 or 11 p.m., only to wake up again at five or six to start over. Many girls have a bald spot on the top of their heads where they were forced to haul basins of sand or rock or water too often. If you are a boy, you have it a bit easier. Most boys go to school. You also may sweep the yard or take the grain to the mill to be ground. How much you work depends on if you have sisters to help. If you don't have a sister or she is smaller than you, you also take care of the younger brothers and sisters. But you still don't have as much work to do, normally, if you are a boy. But when planting in time comes, you work long days in the fields by plowing by hand long rows of hard dirt. During your free time, you may run up and down the rows with your tire, pushing it along with a stick. You may also hunt for some different kinds of trash and create your own car or truck, which rolls on wheels punched out of old flip-flops. Usually they are pretty fancy. If you know someone who is a welder, they make you a car that has two wheels and a shaft between the two, and then a long shaft perpendicular to the wheels with a small steering wheel welded on, and you drive it down the street. Many in the villages are quite creative and make cars with sorghum stalks and tires from flip-flops. Now before you say this is all for little kids, let me tell you that kids up to like 10 or 12 are still making these little trash cars and pulling them around. It takes a lot of skill to cut open metal cans with a knife and not get cut or seriously hurt. They then bend them and make like springs, cabs, hoods, or whatnot on their cars. All this with just rocks and an old knife. Lots of older boys like to play soccer and they play it all over the place and also at school. They don't have nice balls, but often they have a ball of plastic bags that have been tied together or other such creations to make something that rolls to play with. The goals are often just two stones or two sticks. Others get more creative and they use old mosquito nets tied to two poles. Another very common toy that the younger boys play with are old tires from either motorcycles, bikes, or cars. They roll these along, running behind them and steering them with a fork stick. Some will put two sticks on either side of the car tire and add water and a slippery plant that they have, and it works like grease, and they run behind it, steering the two sticks. Another game that boys and girls enjoy is a rubber band tie. You knot the rubber band and then take turns hitting it with your flip-flop until it unties. You win the rubber band if it opens with you. And another way to use it is to put a rubber band flat on the floor. And then you take turns blowing your rubber band so it sits on top of the other person's rubber band. You win the rubber band if yours goes on top of the other person's. Some kids are very good at these games and have a whole line of rubber bands lined up on their arms. 
these are some of the things that the kids in Northern Benin use and play with every day. Have a good day. Hello, I'm Susie Baldwin, and I've been working in Benin, West Africa for the past 17 years. And I've been working with the Pinjari Project for the past two years. This project is a project that includes many different people groups and many different towns. The area is full of people who have never heard the gospel. Thank you, Susie, for that insight into what kids do in Benin, West Africa. You know, missionary life is not easy, and living here in America, we sometimes don't appreciate the difficulties they go through just for the daily tasks. To round off this episode of Frontier Missions Journal, I'm going to share an experience of mine from my recent visit to the Panjari Project in Benin. I call this story, Good Morning Africa. Good morning, Africa. Night has turned its back as the horizon hints at a hazy sun, awaiting another half hour to show its face. Meanwhile, pools of sweat outline my form on the sheets. I had slept with my shirt off. I had to. It was soaked not 10 minutes after I changed before going to bed. Yet I slept well, that is, after I stopped worrying about the mosquito trapped with me under the dusty white mosquito net. It hovered near my ear and, despite my feeble swats, it wouldn't go away. Well, sleep must come, and it did. I only imagined getting bitten twice. I untuck a three-foot section of the thin draped net and crawl out of bed. I give a quick shake to my slippers to check for scorpions. I'm told the tiny ones sting the worst, and slip them on. I thank God he has protected me from these and other poisonous critters. Now I walk through three spider webs on the way to the bathroom. Apparently, these spiders were busy last night, trying to keep the insect population down. The one by my bedroom door is especially sneaky. In daylight, gone. Ever spot her and she drops to the floor and scurries away faster than you can swat with your slipper. But she's always there at night by the doorpost. I turn the corner and amble into the lavatory. In one corner stands the white bowl and charcoal black bucket I used to shower with last night. Pour water on, get wet, lather with soap, scrub, dip, and pour to rinse off. Feel cool for an additional five minutes. <sighs> it was 104 degrees yesterday, officially. Unofficially, it was 109 degrees in the missionary house. The toilet, situated on the right, usually contains accumulations from during the night, which await flushing time. Nevertheless, as I enter the bathroom this morning, the smells startle my nostrils and take me aback. During the dry season, water is scarce in Northwest Benin. The missionaries take a truckload of empty five-gallon containers to town, and there they fill them up for a price. 
Once home, they pour several containers of the precious cargo into specialized filters for drinking. Others are set aside for cooking, and some are saved for washing oneself from the endless dust and sweat of the 100 degree plus days. Not one of them is ever used for flushing. One only flushes with the yellow bucket with orange handles, and then only when the toilet really needs flushing. But today, the bathroom is more pungent than usual. It isn't just the usual odors, it is the stink of decay. The flushing water for the toilet that the missionary had placed in the entrance of the bathroom, dutifully drawn from the outdoor cistern which had collected rainwater during a wet season, carried with it a dead, decaying lizard, belly up. I carefully lift the thin plastic toilet lid and set it aside, and then lift the equally thin slice of the seat portion and balance it upright, so as to avoid splashing any drops of putrid death water on the seat. Picking up the bucket by the orange handle, and tilting it in oh so right angle, I pour. Her plunk, slosh, oop. The toilet dutifully sends the slithery thing down the drain. Done. Now for the sanitizing solution. No rinsing water available here. I splash on a second dose of it, just to be sure. A quick opening of the rust-colored metal window slats, or blinds, and a fresh breeze clears the air. I feel better. I have accomplished this morning chore without so much as dreaming about my posh, lilac-scented, carpeted, critter-free bathroom at home. Yes, it is indeed a good morning in Africa. For more information about Adventist Frontier Missions, point your browser to afmonline.org.